Today, we are going to be talking about why I quit taking insurance, and this includes. I'm Tisa, a midwife and a birth center owner in Southern California. Like many of you, I did not get the education needed to run a successful, profitable, and sustainable practice. But I was lucky enough to have an entrepreneurial spirit, a business degree, and the will to teach myself new skills. Here on Midwife to Midwife, we will explore building our businesses, our profession, and our communities. We will discuss subjects that are important to you, like on-call schedules, protocols, equipment, and how to get some of that precious time off. I will share my own personal experiences, as well as interview great business minds. Welcome to Midwife to Midwife. Hello, and welcome back to Midwife to Midwife. Again, today we are going to be talking about why I stopped taking insurance, specifically Medi-Cal. It has been a while. Thank you for coming back to listen. It has, I've had to take a little bit of time and really organize some of the Midwife to Midwife um, platform materials. I really wanted it to be streamlined and be accessible and very easy to share. So I did take a little bit of time in the last two months to really get like the midwife surveys situated on the website. So they were easy to find. And when I recorded them, they had a home to go to along with um, the podcast materials. And some of the reasons why I chose not to carry on with um, insurance is because I wanted more time as well to pursue these passions of doing podcasts and surveys and whatnot. So I'm going to move right into talking about a little bit of history around taking insurance in my practice. So I, about three years ago, I number one, I've been a midwife since 2015. And I knew as soon as I became a midwife that I wanted to make care accessible. I don't think that that's an uncommon thing between us. We, uh, most midwives have a compassion and a, um, just like a passion to serve people who are underprivileged and just don't have the same access to care that people with money do. So, um, and I also, when I did a lot of my internship, it was in the Philippines where there was a mission that I went and served with that also provided those services to the community. And it really made me think about how I was going to run my practice as I got out there in the world and doing things on my own. So a few years after I started practicing, there was a group of us here in Southern California, well, not Southern California necessarily, but California in general, that decided to take on taking Medi-Cal. And Medi-Cal, if you are not listening to the state of California right now, is our state-ran Medicaid program. So, and it's called Medi-Cal. So if you hear me say that, that's what I'm talking about. So there was a group of us, about seven, about seven midwife practices that um, wanted to take this on and become um, providers. It was It's not very common. Um, the medical system was really not aligned or set up to our provider type. So it was a huge undertaking. It took uh, about all of us about two years to really get um, settled into the system and really start accepting payments. It, it was a, you know, 
it was pretty rigorous and it was exhausting to say the least. Honestly, it was exhausting. Um, you know, the, the whole process, we met a lot of opposition regard, you know, even though it, it was put into the law that we were allowed to be a provider type, every time we took the next initiative, the next step, there was just always a wall, a barrier that had to be overcome. So again, I, it was just exhausting to go follow through with that process, but I did. And so did some others and we started to prosper and really start to build up these huge practices in, I guess, in this model of care. And, um, and I've seen midwives come and go and it's, it's been very interesting. It's been a very short ride so far. Like I said, maybe only about three years now. Um, and it's very interesting to see, like, once you open up your practice to insurance like that, the influx of um, families that are truly interested in this type of care. And of course, of course, COVID played a huge role in that influx as well, because there were so many families seeking um, a different type of experience during the COVID pandemic. So... Um, my practice went from single provider myself to where I hired someone. Um, I was, I had students, we went, I went from having maybe three to four births a month, maybe five being my busy to doing 12 births a month. And, um, I quickly built up the practice so that I could hire somebody, hired somebody and it didn't work out. And I still maintained that level of capacity for the last, um, geez, I guess uh, it's been almost, it's been a year I've kept at that level of capacity where really I'm doing the work of three midwives for the last 12 months. And it has really come to a head for me. I've come to a crossroads. And had to have some come to Jesus moments about where my practice was going, what my goals look like. And, you know, that's the one thing about being an entrepreneur, about being a um, a business owner, is that you can always change your mind. You can always make a new path. You can do something different and create a new dream. So that's what this pod pa- podcast is going to be about today. I'm going to tell you why I quit Medi-Cal. And it's going to be for reasons that might not be, um, it'll probably be a little surprising. Some of it might not be that I'm pretty sure that everybody would understand where I'm coming from. But at the same time, I'm also going to tell you why I wholeheartedly still support midwifery and the expansion of access to care through Medicaid. So the number one reason why... I shouldn't say the number one reason. I, reason number one, let's put it that way. Reason number one, I quit taking Medi-Cal is because of the lack of staff that I have access to. Here where I'm located, I, I'm i the only midwife in this, like physically in this area. There are, I'm in Northern LA County and there just there are no other midwives, and it's really really hard to run a practice of this size when you are the only primary midwife, and there are no there's no one here to assist me as well. There are no students. Um, 
at currently there's nobody trained to assist me either. The closest midwives are all an hour away and everybody's busy. You know, I've, I've been the last year I've been having other midwives come and assist me and it has been uh, more frustrating and more anxiety for me to get somebody to a birth on time. And it is, it's just flat out frustrating when I call someone and, um, you know, they're trying to gauge whether or not they can get to the birth on time. And then I end up doing the birth anyway by myself. I'm just finding, just having that little extra level of work to do to try to find somebody to come and help me has been a really big challenge this last year. And not having any real prospects for students in the area has really put me in a position of doing a lot of extra work that I haven't had to do in quite a few years, actually. So um, lack of staff, I am not for a lack of trying. It really is just like the perfect storm. I tell people this all the time that um, midwifery really is growing a lot right now. And I feel like if you are a trained um, and experienced midwife, you could throw a dart on the map and go anywhere and work. And because of that, I don't... um, I don't live in an ideal location. It's it's nothing to be excited about here in the high desert. It is, we love it, but we came here for a reason um, years ago. It was because I was stationed here while I was in the Air Force. And we, we you know, we were raising our kids here. And my husband had a job here, a very stable job. And I, I grew a practice. So... Um, for somebody to purposely come here over all the other choices that they have in the country right now would be absurd. You can, you know, and plus there's somewhat of a mass exodus out of California, thanks to the politics here as well. So I've got that going for me. Um, So it's just been really hard to find the right type of support to for this type of practice, for the level that, that this needs to run at. Uh, I had a lot of support staff, but at the same time, always the only midwife, always the only primary midwife. So I've been to every single birth for the last um, year and a half, basically. And well, I mean, my whole practice, I've probably in eight years, I've not been to maybe um less than 10 births in the whole eight years that I've been practicing where I've had somebody else covering for me and absolutely not in the last 12 months, I've been to every single birth and I'm upwards, but about 70 births this, this last 12 months. So that's pretty insane. I have put, um, I've interviewed at least 10 midwives this year. Again, it has been excruciatingly hard to get anybody to commit to coming out to this location. I think that they get so time that I interviewed someone, they had gotten multiple job offers in way better places, which I completely understand and can sympathize with. So that was um, reason number one was definitely a lack of having just that extra midwife support to grow this practice. You really need a large staff. I'm I'm not going to say large. I'm just going to say you can't do it alone. You absolutely can't. And the reason why is, well, it's going to, it's all going to come together when I talk about reason number two. Reason number two. Reason number two was because it's 
pretty cost prohibitive um, unless you have volume. So I'm going to break this down. Um, one of the biggest costs of using insurance is malpractice insurance. So for Medicaid, I don't think private payers, I've never had a private payer actually ask me for my malpractice insurance or make it a requirement to be in network. But then again, I don't have very many um, private insurance contracts, but I do have a lot of Medi-Cal contracts and every single one of them required the highest level of malpractice coverage that you could get. A couple of things have come together in the last few years. One is, is there has been a shortage, a, a like very um, small amount of underwriters, insurance underwriters are available now. A lot of companies have gotten out of insuring midwives. And I don't know why. I would love to speak to the um, brokers about that and kind of delve into that a little bit. But um, when I first started carrying malpractice insurance about maybe six years ago now, my insurance was incredibly cheap. I mean, it was manageable. I wouldn't say cheap. It was a couple hundred dollars a month and um, it was a good safety net. It felt like a good safety net, whether or not that's true. Like that's a whole nother podcast and a debate all on its own. But I was meeting, I was checking some boxes, right? So malpractice insurance, as I started getting contracted with Medi-Cal, it was an absolute requirement. You had to, Medi-Cal in general requires you to carry the minimum, which is the 100-300 plan. But anytime that you um, got contracted with any of the managed care programs, they required the highest level, which was 1 million, 3 million. So I took that on as well. And at the time, uh, about three, four years ago, when I took my first contract, um, the cost was probably about $800 a month, which I looked at as a investment in the cost of running business. Um, and slowly and surely, of course, as it always does, the premium went up every single year. And this last year, when I, of course, am now working alone, my volume is at 70 to 80 births a year. My malpractice went up to $30,000 for the year. And that was, um, there was definitely a moment last year where we were trying to figure out if this was worth it anymore. And we went for it because we had the volume to do it. And so you're looking at, I mean, most of you know that $3,000 a month is, it's like writing off one of your births every month. So um, now that I've, I'm, it's becoming more evident that I'm going to be working alone more long term or that it's not going to be, it's not looking like I can hire even if I do find one other midwife, it's very unlikely that I'll find a second. And it'll be years if that does happen. And of course, I can train somebody, but we all know how long that takes as well. Um, so it was just a really, uh, it's a really high volume practice to be doing on your own. And then to add the the cost of having these clients on your roster, that's where it started to really not make sense anymore. The malpractice, if I dropped it, um, would would drop my over, my overhead by half. And then 
I have a feeling too, like my malpractice is going to renew here in February. And I feel like it's probably going to go up another 20,000 next year as well. And that's, that's just the curve, the natural progression of malpractice insurance. So again, if, if I'm looking at even $40,000 next year, that has a lot of clients that I am putting on my roster just to stay afloat, just to break even. And that's when I really had to start putting the big picture into perspective and looking at the overall cost of doing business and what I could physically, emotionally put into this and what was reasonable, right? So the cost and there's, and it's the, so malpractice is one, two is the staff that's required to have Medi-Cal. So when I first started taking Medi-Cal, I'd have one client, two clients. Again, like there was, my malpractice was really low. I didn't have like this huge overhead above and beyond what I was already doing with the birth center. So it wasn't a huge deal to have, to have um, Medi-Cal. But then um, as I took on more clients and the volume really picked up, well, you know, they're insurance companies, so they want everything. You have to have pre-authorization for this. And now I've got to get um, referrals for ultrasounds for specialists. And at the when you're doing even maybe five to six births a month on your own, taking the time to, to get these authorizations is really a whole nother job. So I started having to have full-time staff as well, office staff. And I was spending a lot of my time training this office staff to do it, you know, just to replace me in that office capacity. So I was training office staff. I had full-time staff this whole last year. So now I'm adding about a $30,000 a year paycheck to my overhead as well. So I've got malpractice at $30,000. I've got uh, staff at $30,000. So now I'm at $60,000 just to take on Medi-Cal. And if you break that down, I, I estimate that if I take on a client and I see them throughout their whole pregnancy, meaning first trimester all the way through labor, birth, and postpartum care, it's about a $4,800 paycheck. And that was, in my opinion, um, decent. I would love to see those numbers go a lot higher. And that's something I'm going to talk about later. But um, that was, that was decent. But if you break that down to $60,000 a year, again, we're back to taking approximately, a, you know, what is that? 30 would be six. So we're, we're taking 20, about 15 clients a year just to cover those two aspects alone, full-time employee and a my malpractice insurance. And when you start hiring employees, you will learn that that's a whole <laughs> ball of wax. Um, now you've got payroll taxes. Now you have policies, office, you know, just not even, we're not even talking about being a midwife. Now I've got to have company policies and vacation um, policies and time off policies. And what happens when that person that I'm paying a salary doesn't make it into work that day? So it definitely added a whole nother level of business management that was, um, again, another stack on the, the blocks, if you want to put it, you know, it was a little bit more to my Jenga pile. And 
I, um, it was really, really overwhelming. So to recap reason two, it was the, you know, overwhelming expenses of malpractice insurance and having the support staff needed to be able to care for uh, Medi-Cal clients that was really starting to weigh heavily on whether or not we were going to continue with this business model. Reason number three. Reason number three was the overwhelm that was happening, which you can, if you follow the progression so far, you can see why I was overwhelmed. Um, it was becoming apparent that I was not going to be able to hire anybody to help backfill the amount of bursts that I was doing or the client load that I had. And it's very apparent that the cost of running this practice is getting higher and higher. And I really have to maintain this level to be able to, um, you know, incur these, like you have to have, in my opinion, you, you have to have a large volume practice to be able to take this type of insurance because of the way it all functions, the, the support staff that you need to make it work. It's not feasible to do this as a solo practice and just say that you're going to take, oh, I'm only going to take one or two Medi-Cal clients a month. I, maybe if you, I, I still don't see it being a very feasible way of doing things. Um, even if you had a, pretty solid cash pay clientele. Cause again, the volume is what's going to get you if you don't have all the extra parts to help you. So, um, overwhelm was reason number three for me over, you know, the last, I was definitely willing to put in the work and I did put in the work for the last 12 months with the, you know, the, the thought that, looking forward, it was going, like I was building it up for a reason. I was going to be able to hire that extra couple midwives, and then I would be able to start taking some time off. But the reality is, is that wasn't happening. Again, I wasn't able to get anybody on staff for that extra midwife position. And I've been taking time off um, just when it happened. So if I had someone go into labor and birth. And then maybe I have a couple of moms that were still only 38 weeks, I would take a chance on being able to go somewhere. And so I was never really off call. I was maybe a little bit further away than I should have been. And then I had a couple midwives in like what we call the local area on standby for me in case somebody called, which is again, another very fresh, it was never really any time off. I um, you still had my on-call phone with me, was managing situations from where I was. So again, just not um, the ideal situation and not something that can be maintained long-term. I was willing to put in that extra work and effort. That's what we do as business owners, as entrepreneurs. We we make sacrifices and we hustle and we try to build up these empires so that we get them to where we want them to be. And that's what I was doing. But here we are. And that's what I love about this situation is that I'm not afraid to say, you know what, it isn't working and it's not working for me and I'm ready to shift gears. And that's what I'm doing because this, you know, the overwhelm has made me bitter. I'm not afraid to tell people that either. It has really made me bitter. I could definitely tell you in the last four months, I've had some situations, I've had some moments where I'm just um, not feeling great about where I am in my career. 
and um <clears throat> all right so if you heard a little pause in my recording um it was because i had gotten pretty um I guess emotional about how I was feeling about everything and had to take a break and actually had to come back to recording this um, a day later because it was really overwhelming emotionally for me to, to talk about. And, and it still might be, but the truth is, is, you know, the overwhelm, the bitterness that I was starting to experience, all the buildup of that just made me not want to do this job anymore. And that's when I knew I really needed to make some changes. So, um, I did. I decided basically in November to just drop all insurance, not to take on any more new clients. I picked a date and said, anybody who's due after this date, I'm going to let you know that I'm not going to take insurance after that date. And you, I'll give you some referrals for some midwives who do take insurance and which obviously was far away. So that, um, you know, it wasn't ideal for them, but they, I still gave them plenty of time. I'm, we're talking about four months advance notice. So, um, you know, it was hard during the process, but now that it's been a couple of weeks and I've taken a lot of phone calls and turned a lot of people away, I'm feeling really, really good about it, actually. And I just had a conversation this afternoon with another midwife and um, talking about it with her really made me just kind of say out loud all the things and remind myself why I made all those decisions. So those are my three reasons why I quit Medi-Cal. Now, when I developed the course Medi-Cal for Midwives back this summer and put it out there and started teaching it to the community, I still believe that there is a place for midwifery care in the insurance model. And I am working really hard with the IMI initiative um, to advance access to care and to improve insurance reimbursements. And I will say that it is it is changing. There are some serious people sitting at these tables and things are happening. I was approached uh, even just last week from an insurance company who wanted to offer me what I had asked. I asked them for a really high number, which was around $9,000 for global midwifery. And they were like, okay, let's do it. Let's try to make this work. And so they're definitely, and, and I, like I will go back to the fact that at the end of that conversation, I still said no. So because again, um, I'm still trying to downsize my practice. I'm not interested in doing, um, you know, 10 births a month. Remember that there's the overhead cost of running uh, an insurance-based practice where you have the billing and all the management of everything they want you to do and the overhead cost of having that malpractice insurance. So I still think that in it's going to take um, a lot more changes. And I'm, I wasn't willing to wait another year because it's, you know, they have to get it approved through their insurance board and then it gets implemented and maybe it takes me six months to actually bill somebody with that insurance. And then of course it, it gets denied for something stupid because nobody's ever seen it before. You know, it's, it's the game that I've been playing for the last few years. I just knew that it was, um, I felt I was kind of like, Oh yeah, man, they're really gonna, they're really going to hook me up. They're going to start paying me what, but 
I know down deep that I don't have the energy to pursue this right now. So I did turn it down, but I'm going to help anybody else who wants to pursue this. I am going to help you get those contracted rates. So I'm definitely still putting myself out there for that um, peer support. And I'm here 100% if you want to chat about Medi-Cal and how to bill and all that great stuff. My course is still live out there as well. And you can purchase it for $150 and get through all the modules and learn how to bill properly for Medi-Cal. Um, and I, I welcome any discussions about how like the struggles that you've been going through. If you want to reach out to somebody who's been there, Absolutely. 100%. Let's do it. I could always use a good glass of wine. So um, I just want to take this moment to say thank you for taking the time to listen to my story about why I'm giving up Medi-Cal. I feel like, you know, I had a, I did have a discussion with another midwife today that's taking Medi-Cal and, and she reassured me that, you know, she was so appreciative of the fact that she's not the only one. And I want to let you know, you're not the only one. And if you're on the fence about taking Medi-Cal and if my story has scared the bejesus out of you, well, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that because this is definitely a huge un undertaking. And I don't think that, um, you should take it lightly. I think that you should know exactly what you're diving into. So with all that said, um, Again, I appreciate you listening all the way through today, even in my vulnerability. And I am so excited because now that I've taken a lot of this stuff off my plate, I have so much more time to really um, invest in recording more podcasts like I had been planning for the last six months. It just never really came through. And now I have the platform up to put these podcasts on so they're easy to find. I also am going to really ramp it up on those midwife surveys. Again, next week, the midwife survey about assistant pay is coming out. So watch for that. I think that you guys will all be very interested in that one. And I have a whole list of shows that I'm going to record. So thank you again. And bye-bye for now. I'll catch you on the flip side. Well, that concludes today's chat. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Share with your midwife colleagues who you think would enjoy this show as well. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Midwife to Midwife. Links are in the show notes. All right, friends, take care. Bye-bye.